Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy. And we are here to talk about Batman and today we're talking about cults and con men, which I'm very <laughs> excited about. We're going to be doing two episodes, we're going to be doing Prophecy of Doom and Joker's <laughs> Favor. So uh, you want to just jump right into Prophecy of Doom? It's funny, um, yeah, your obsession with... Um flat earthers and people that believe cults and conspiracies uh it kind of makes sense that this episode right right now (laughs) well i'm you know i'm really fascinated by uh uh, um not only con men themselves but uh the people who follow them so yeah i i think i probably like that episode more than uh uh than the most people but uh anyway I, i imagine you on a bigfoot hunt in the woods and you wouldn't be staring at the trees or looking to the cameras like everybody else. You would be staring into the faces of the maniacs. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of fucking idiot are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but I would be I would do that. I would definitely be more fascinated by the people than the actual hunt. Yes. Yeah. So what happened? Did you get dropped as a kid? Are your parents related? I mean, what's going on here? Anyway, yeah, go ahead. What's what's this episode about? So, Prophecy of Doom, uh, story by Dennis Marks, teleplay by Sean Catherine Derrick, directed by Frank Power, and in it, Batman investigates a cult called the Brotherhood, founded by the mystic Nostromos, after hearing about a number of stories from his colleagues about his ability to predict the future. Batman finds out that Nostromos is actually a con artist who was rigging near-fatal accidents to gain the confidence of Gotham's upper-class citizens, and he must expose this ruse before it is too late. Now, uh, yeah, I um, this really isn't that much of a standout episode. Well, with one notable exception, but this is uh, this is right in the pocket of the episodes that I wouldn't have liked when I was a kid because it right. doesn't feature a name villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an adult watching it again, I really did like the content of it. I think the animation is probably not the best they've done, but mm, yeah, it's all worth it for that end sequence at the planetarium, which is amazing. Yeah, you did get a good set piece at the end of all this with all the planets and all that. Yeah, that that whole sequence where the uh, um, the planets are. F- you know, swinging around and smashing into each other and everything. That was that was like big budget Hollywood movie level action sequence, and I would love <laughs> to see that like live action in a movie. I think it would be really cool. I'm guessing that's going to be the scene you want to draw. When we get uh, to the end of this. I one. was thinking that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I kind of was going back and forth because in my head I'm like, you know, that would be a lot of fun to draw, but fuck, that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, Draw- drawing broken glass and shattered pieces just. I don't have the tolerance for it. <laughs> I know it happens a lot in comics. Things break. Right. <laughs> drawing debris and all that, it, it takes a certain set of skills. <laughs> yeah, I'm more, uh, It's. It, I would rather do that than um, draw anything from that Clock King episode with all the gears and stuff. That stuff would drive oh, yeah. me absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I, I like the beginning of this one because that, that uh, 
boat sinking sequence was pretty intense uh, for a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. I forgot how much they went into that sort of uh, opening to have yeah. like the jazz dancing and all the girls and guys in you know outfits and then the boat goes down. <laughs> they really blew a lot of money on that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because this is an episode that seems like it was probably pretty expensive but it doesn't super feel like it to like the like i said the animation really isn't that clean compared to some of the other ones we've watched and i don't know if maybe that's like you know how sometimes movies uh have too much cgi in them so the cgi ends up looking shitty because it's like they're just stretched too thin with what they're trying to do and what they can actually accomplish right oh you think that's what happened here it's possible i mean it's it is a pretty set piece heavy episode yeah yeah i don't know i uh i didn't love this one as a kid i don't know if i loved it now as an adult it's not because I mean, i'm all about you know the villains that aren't the main villains right um but uh yeah i don't know what it was it just this episode never really grabbed me yeah the uh it's not i mean nostromos is not a very memorable villain um yeah. uh i do like the idea that you know the, the planetarium that they're hanging out like did they have to rent that is it like does it say on the list of like the planetarium schedule like tuesday is pink floyd laser show and thursday is cult meeting oh man i miss those pink floyd laser shows yeah i actually I just saw again. uh uh two star trek movies at the planetarium oh my god it was so cool because they are so they, they with lasers or they just project no the movie up there? they projected the movie up on the planetarium screen and then they uh all around it, they put the star field up. So it was just the screen, like, in the middle of the star field. It was super cool. That is cool. What, what, was the screen, like, uh, bent? Was it, you know, concave? Uh, just a concave? little bit. Yeah. They, okay. It was only about uh, only about half of the seats were open, so it wasn't the whole 360 thing. But, yeah. You, gotcha. It was, they had made it so, you know, no matter where you were sitting, it didn't seem too distorted. They made it so, huh? Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> It was oh, very man. engaging. <laughs> oh, man. It's good to talk about Star Trek every now and then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like I don't do it all the time. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, For not those to... who don't know, Clay is another podcast where he talks about Star Trek a lot. And yeah. He used to be a guest on there. <laughs> not, to go, not to go on a tangent, but I never thought I would be like the Star Trek guy. Like, I always enjoyed Star Trek, but I never thought I would be like, you know, that would be part yeah. of my brand. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not your brand, but you enjoy it as a, a an intellectual exercise, I think, because you like yes. breaking things down, and yeah. it is a nice, yeah. Yeah. You know, I always felt like, what is the guy's name, Nostromos? Nostromos. He's like a wannabe Rachel Ghoul in some way to me. Le- like definitely a, visually, yes. He's got yeah. a very similar look, yeah. Yeah. But I did like to see Clark's, uh, Clark, Bruce's uh, rich buddies, um, like, you know, I, I know I said in a previous podcast that I don't think Batman needs Bruce Wayne at all, which is a very different type of Batman, of course. But right. um, seeing Bruce being Bruce and, you know, learning about his friends and people who he's close with and that guy's daughter and all that stuff, like, it does fill the world up oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, liked, I liked that scene with when he was at dinner with them. Um, you, know, you know what was kind of nice, actually? I couldn't... I didn't get the feeling that he was dating that girl. No. Like, their relationship seemed very, you know, just, like, friendly. And I kind of yeah. liked that because I, 
I think that was right there. So what's he going to do? Put his hand on her knee? Yeah, well, (laughs) he probably wouldn't do that anyway because he probably doesn't actually even like girls in real life. (laughs) He likes crime. Yeah, exactly. He likes crime. (laughs) No, but but yeah, like it it was, I think that actually adds to the the, uh, world building that you're talking about because Mm. it may... it means that not every relationship with a girl Bruce has is a romantic thing. And, like, there's actually a little... Totally. There's more layers to things. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I like I like seeing that stuff. You know, what I actually really liked about this one is uh, um, another subset of the use of the Bruce Wayne character is this disarming nature that allows him to slip into these... Uh, different situations that Batman probably wouldn't be able to. Right. Um, and it kind of turns him... Like, one of my... Uh, uh, if I if I had heroes in my life, which I don't really know if I do, one of them would probably be Harry Houdini, just because mm-hmm. I've been so... I'm, I'm fascinated by the work that he did uh, exposing fraudulent con men and mediums in, in the 20s and stuff. And this... So right. that's, why, that's another reason why I like this, because that's basically what Batman does here. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. You, yeah. you don't have heroes? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I would... You know, if you if you told me to list, like, five heroes of mine, I don't know if I would be able to really do it. What about, like, Picard, Highlander? Uh... Like, but... <laughs> I'm I'm thinking, like, if you had to pick someone... If you had to pick three people from real yeah. life, not characters... That yeah. you looked up to and considered like a personal hero. Do you have three people you could name? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if I wouldn't use hero. I would say tremendously informative for me were uh, Carl Sagan, yeah. uh, Henry Rollins. Um, yeah, just those two for now. But um, you know, I knew they were both flawed, of course. Oh yeah, um, not heroic. They didn't save anybody from a burning building yet. Although Henry <laughs> Rollins probably still could and should. Um, I would be surprised if he hasn't actually. <laughs> well, I think he might have a, a own an orphanage or donate to some. He, he's heroic in his own way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty. But cool. also, he should save someone from a fire because that's pretty <laughs> pretty punk rock. Just to put a bow on it. Yeah, but uh, do you have a? You don't have any heroes like that. I mean, is there something about your father you want to talk about here, or what? Well, no, no. I mean, well, I noticed that you didn't say your father either. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, like I, it's you know it. it I just, I don't know. I, I haven't, I, like, I think Houdini's probably the closest I could come to that because I think that what he was doing was, was really interesting and kind of uh, uh, struck me in a way where coming up out of a certain um, mm-hmm. upbringing, you know, in church-related stuff, you, you kind of see the, you see the good side of that, but you also see the bad side of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the bad side of that stuff really annoys me. Um, right. And so to see someone who was going after these people uh, who were exploiting people's feelings and beliefs in order to make money and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I find that really it, – it is I, it is fairly heroic. I mean, the guy basically, the last half of his career, he turned it into a crusade against con men, which is pretty awesome. Right. Well, shouldn't Penn and Teller be your new heroes then? Uh, yeah, that's not as fun to say, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, the obvious thing I is mean, there's shouldn't, some, there's uh, some shouldn't romance. Shouldn't Neil deGrasse Tyson be your new new hero? No, I don't. I get burned out on Neil. I, I respect him, but no. But but Penn and Teller are big debunkers. Uh, so is the amazing Randy. You know, people that like guy's that. pretty but great. I like that guy. You like Houdini because there's the 1920s. You know, black and white uh, era gone by. He's passed. He died. I'm sure there's conspiracy theories around him that you know all about. <laughs> I know one or two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, and also he was the first, like, you know, he was at, at the time, he was the biggest draw. He was the big, one of the biggest attractions in the world, you know, the, one of the biggest entertainers in the world. And right. so he, and to take his fame and kind of turn it and use it as this like, you know, spotlight on, right. you know, con men and stuff is, is, is very, uh, uh interesting. Right. right. I just think you don't like Penn and Teller's ponytail. Yeah, I don't know. They're fine, I guess. <laughs> Penn seems like he's probably kind of an asshole in real life. But. Is he the quiet one or the? No, he's the, the he's the loud one. The okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this is a Batman podcast. I guess. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, you know, maybe think about Batman Houdini. Um, oh yes. And yeah. there's another episode of this where it features Zatanna and uh, Bruce's training with her father, Zotan, or I don't know, some play on Zatanna. Mm-hmm. Zatano. Um, anyway, yeah, Bruce's uh, whole part of his training was learning about magic and about tricks and escaping and all that stuff. And I always thought that was a really nice, charming sort of uh, throwback to kind of the pulp pulp era of comics in a way, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what made me think of the Houdini thing, too, was because that's what he was doing is he one of the reasons he could expose all these people is because he knew everything they were doing. Right. And the stuff he didn't know, he could figure out because he was the best at this in the whole world. Yeah, and so I, I like that aspect of Batman. It's just another facet of Batman that you can play with, where he's got such, yeah, he's Batman is uh, he's got so many skill sets, mm-hmm. but if you look story to story, you never see all of them or like more than two or three of them going at once because otherwise it would become really apparent at how ridiculous of a character he is. Yeah. You know, he's the world's greatest detective. He's an unbelievable fighter. He's a, a, yep. a yep. tech wizard. He can drive a Batmobile yep. at 200 miles an hour and not kill anybody. You know, it's but but he doesn't know how to love. That's true. He has a very tough time loving. <laughs> but I mean, everyone has their flaw. It makes him more human because of it. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd rather. Uh, yeah, I don't really like my Bruce or Batman to be too unbeatable. I don't like when he's good at everything. I, I don't think you need that. I think that's what writers automatically do. But I, I think it's fine if he fucks up. Yeah. Um, you can't have a mess up and someone dies because that's sort of against the Bible of right. Batman. But right. yeah, I don't, I don't know why writers are so... Uh, no, Batman would have been two steps ahead of him. There's no way Batman would have allowed that to happen. And I always feel like, so what? He screwed up. He had a rough day. He slipped his mind. You know, he forgot to bring his keys. I don't know. He's human, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I always, I, I like the uh, the ethos of given enough time to prepare, Batman can beat every anybody. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a clean win, you know? Right. Yeah. I think he's sacrificed because he's so good at things that don't matter to most human lives. Like fixing your own engine while stock trading and sneaking around in the dark while identifying rare plants and knowing your history and escaping <laughs> like Houdini. It's just not what most people need in their lives. Right. Most, most and people than, not, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the, the, the trade-off is he, zero family relationships or struggle relationships with his Batgirl and Robin and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that we all know. I mean, it's just... I think that's really interesting is he sacrificed the things that sort of make you human because he's in, he made, he made himself inhuman in a way. Yeah. For his, for his goal. And not, not, I mean, we're going way off the track about this episode, but as far (laughs) as relationships go with Batman, why do you think that all of his other relationships end up going down the tube, but Alfred is always a constant? Um, yeah, Alfred was there before. 
I mean, I, I think that if Bruce lost Alfred or pushed Alfred away, then he would lose himself completely. Yeah. Um, he, he knows that that's the one person you can't. If you lose Alfred, then you're wrong, not Alfred. Whereas if he has a disagreement with Gordon or Batgirl or Nightwing, he, I feel like he probably thinks he's, he's right because he's very stubborn. But if you abandon Alfred, then you're wrong. And I think he knows that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think? It's I yeah I, I would I would agree. I think it's uh, you know I was watching Batman Begins last night and um, it's it's really funny to me how quickly Alfred is just like totally game for for what Bruce has in mind. Like there's no point where he sits down and explains to him what he's gonna do. It's just like yeah okay now we're building a bat suit so you can go fight crime, and he's a hundred percent supportive. You know up until the third movie anyway. Um, but yeah, right. it's like it's it's like this baseline for him of uh, what he's doing is so intense and so mm-hmm. um, skirting the line of falling into doing awful things. Really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that Alfred's sort of like the uh, the support cord, and if that cord breaks, then he's right. just done. Right, which is yeah. What I did with White Knight was when he has this, when he really goes off the rails, is when spoilers. Alfred dies, right? And uh, I got a lot of people who think that my Batman and White Knight is not true to who Batman is. But I have a lot of defenders who say, you know, keep in mind, Alfred just died. You know, everyone's turning against him. He's human. I mean, maybe this is a version of Batman. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> Batman and White Knight is is pretty on edge for the whole thing, but his. <laughs> More or less, his father in Alfred is gravely ill when the book starts. So if yeah. you've ever run into someone who's dealing with that sort of thing in real life, they're not always uh, going to be the most considerate people. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean, obviously, right. people are dealing with stuff, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. But going back to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, oh, I thought you had to lead in. <laughs> no, I don't. I just I felt bad getting um, away. Yeah, I, I like talking about this other stuff though because I don't really have a whole lot to say about this episode. Other right? Than I yeah. Like the set piece. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty standard episode. Um, you, you know, I like the 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 con men thing. I think I think uh, it's tough because they kind of they go from they really wrap it up very quickly. Like I feel like it's. It, they're just kind of like rushing to get to the final sequence here right. um, because Nostromos really gives the way gives the game away pretty quickly where you know they're setting up this whole uh, um, devastation fund and then he's like eh but also I have your daughter and I'm going to kill her if you don't pay me uh, yeah like he, he, he just held out a bit longer yeah he throws all the pretenses out the door to try to get that money yeah I also find I, it bugged me as a kid, um, even when uh, all these millionaires trusted this guy, or were so duped by him. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't get to be super wealthy without learning to protect yourself, usually, unless you're a trust fund kid or something. And maybe mm-hmm. these are all trust fund kids. But the argument against my argument would be the Bernie Madoff scam, how he fooled right. you know right. hundreds of people or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I, I think this this guy, although amplified to be a Batman villain, I think is is a very realistic uh, realistic character. Yeah. The I did think the amount of money they were giving him was kind of hilarious, though. Like Bruce Wayne just writes him a check for ten million dollars. <laughs> yep, I just you know happened to have it on me. <laughs> 
Yeah, at, at at one point he's like, our fund now has over seventy million dollars in it, or something like that. And it's like, holy shit, man, they are just forking that stuff over. Yeah, I you know I would like to see this episode done in a larger scope. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this could be this character and this story has more potential to be a longer series. If you say you were doing it as a comic, right? I think you would. I think you could get four issues out of this and have it be pretty interesting as far as how this guy infiltrates the um, right. You know the, the the elite of Gotham and winning them over and what strings he is able to pull now that he's got all this control and everything. Right. I think it could be a pretty cool series. Well, you know my my problem with this episode is it doesn't necessarily teach us anything about Batman. Bruce doesn't learn anything about himself. Nothing changes, right. and I don't think every episode needs to do that, but um, Batman comes in skeptical of this guy. Uh, he's right, and he takes him down. And the only person that really learns a lesson is her father, the guy who got, almost got swindled, right? Right, like, I, right. I just feel like you need something else to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it feels very much like there's a beat missing right. uh, somewhere in the second act. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically... Uh, Bruce Wayne finds out about this guy. Uh, then the guy tries to kill Bruce Wayne. Then Bruce Wayne right. joins the group. And like, there's yeah, there's no moment where I don't know. I don't know if it would need to be like Bruce Wayne maybe starts to turn mm-hmm. or like is brainwashed or something. I don't. Right. Know. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know. Or exactly if what it would be. if Nightwing or if Robin or if someone that we know was sort of dipping their toe into this nonsense. And he was yeah, like yeah. genuinely concerned, and he was like, "You got to be skeptical. You, you can't just believe you know, what you want to hear." You know, so maybe Barbara is into Nostromos because he's telling her about her, what her mother is saying beyond the grave, and Batman says, "Listen, you just have to accept your mother's gone. She's not talking to you." I mean, you know, you would make it more of a cartoon, but I feel like <laughs> your mother's dead, Barbara. <laughs> She's rotting in the ground. Worms are eating her as we speak. Welcome to Saturday morning, yeah. kids. Hey, he wants to fight some crime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, there could have been more consequences for someone in Batman's circle, and you could have pulled at the heartstrings of someone that we actually care about, rather than and the only person we know in this episode is Bruce. That's the only character we, I'm sorry that we sort of knew about in the first place. Every other character is sort of invented for this episode, and is basically never seen again, as far as I know. Right. Um... Yeah, you know what I think would also be nice is if maybe, you know, you've got Bruce and or Batman who is such a hard liner that this guy is full of shit and mm-hmm. that, you know, these people are idiots for believing right. him. Maybe have someone who is on the other side of that where they're not cult followers, but they also have their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe they're trying to warm him a little bit to the idea. Because, I mean, I'm sure Batman is, is, is an atheist, let's be honest yeah <laughs> um you know he's probably he probably does not believe in the supernatural even though at some points he's be- he's been a vampire um yeah and other x y and z but uh i i he's probably a much more grounded individual so having somebody challenge him yeah. on what having beliefs like that could be in a positive manner right. would actually be kind of interesting right. I think. yeah you know i think this is a whole other tangent i'd love to talk about the religion of Bruce Wayne. And I, I think about it a lot. You know, I'm doing White Knight 2 now, which is going to be announced tomorrow, so I guess I can talk about it. Um, and I, You heard it here first, yeah. folks, <laughs> uh, a week and a half after he said it. <laughs> but um, I think about... I, I don't think Bruce is an atheist. I think he d- 
doesn't think about it. I, I think yeah. he's so obsessed with his singular goal uh, that he doesn't think about the afterlife. But um, I think there's definitely some stories that you could do where he's older and you know maybe he's not recovering as quickly and he, his mortality starts to occur to him, you know? Yeah. Now, if we want to get into this discussion, which could be actually pretty fun, <laughs> do you think that his fight against crime, right, which is all stems from the death of his parents, mm-hmm. you know, does that soften if he has some sort of belief in the afterlife? Or should I say, does does there have to be a sense I see, of... Yeah. Everyone's going to pay you know the price I mean? one day. You don't need to punish them, Bruce. Right. Like, if, they, if, yeah. if he has this belief that they're in heaven somewhere, you know, enjoying life, hanging out with Sir Isaac Newton or whatever, <laughs> um, they might, because he throws the best parties in heaven. Um, Who wants an apple? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> oh. We have to focus on the gravity of the situation. Here. Oh, man. Engage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Does does that does the possibility of that yeah. make his quest possibly soften it You're a little right. bit? Like maybe he's not as intense. Yeah, well, I feel like you sort of answered your own question. I mean, it makes sense that he's an atheist if he thinks, no, Joker's never going to be punished. I have to do it. That's why I'm right. so driven because there is no justice. There is no fairness. There is no God. And, I mean, you know, does that on the flip side actually strengthen the reason why he doesn't kill people because i mean if his standpoint right. is like when you're done you're done and that's it right. then doesn't life then become yeah. even more sacred to him than yeah. you know than it would have otherwise well you know i think that you you and i are thinking about this more than bruce wayne does i probably i, I don't see him, see him being reflection reflective like this i see him being obsessed with you know that the latest you know, carbon nanotubing that he could use in his bat belt or something. <laughs> I just don't think that he goes that deep. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's funny because he's a very deep character. But I, I think Batman, the book Batman and the world of Batman is deeper than how deep Bruce Wayne is emotionally. I, yeah, I think that the yeah. depth of the world, like he's he's not shallow, but I think his world is much deeper than he is. Uh, and so are the characters around him, obviously. Um, it's funny. There's a point in the uh, this episode, not not to tie it back to the episode again, <laughs> but uh, the storm was just getting started, and Bruce leans over to someone in the audience. He's like, "This is getting very deep." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a very shallow character. I don't acknowledge anything below the surface. <laughs> yeah, dumb Bruce Wayne is the best. Uh, yeah, but you know, I um, and I I know that I at least in the comics anyway, they write. Uh, Nightwing as a, a practicing Christian, I think. Right. So to to have those two, I don't know if they've ever had a had, I don't know if they've ever had a discussion right. in the comics, but that would be interesting to, yeah. to see how they kind of uh, bounce it's, off it's, each other in that. It's way. funny. Um, my my when we were doing White Knight two, I was thinking about creating a new villain, and uh, my editor said, you know, you should use somebody in Gotham, or he wanted me to do like bring in all the JLA, and I, I said I I don't want to do that. I just want to stay to Gotham. What he did give me was the idea to use Azrael, um, mm-hmm. and he said it would be kind of interesting to see you play into the religion part of Azrael um, because you did a book about atheism, basically. I think it would be kind of kind of fun. And uh, I didn't know a lot about Azrael. I didn't know he was. I knew he was religious because of all the stained glass windows and all the imagery you you see associated with him. And I knew a little bit about mm-hmm. like the Knights Templar, 
But as I threw myself into research about Azrael, I was trying to write this character who plausibly believed what he does, even though I don't believe it at all. Um, and it was actually, it really helped enrich him. It really is a better book because of, of religion. I'm not sure what that says about Bruce, though. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I, I, I would be, I'd be fascinated to see somebody dive into that stuff a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a that's a nice tease for White Knight too. So that's that's a good good way, <laughs> yeah. to, good place to leave. Yeah. That. Um, Thanks for your help. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have much else to say about this episode specifically. Um, do you have uh, a part of it that you'd like to draw? Um, the planet thing would be cool because you're just drawing big circles and ellipses, basically. Um, right. But drawing a fight scene inside of a planetarium with that uh, light gun in the middle you know the thing that does the projection or whatever uh, yep. that is cool and it gives you the chance to use a lot of blacks and to really get you know galactic with your backgrounds <laughs> right right how about you yeah i was thinking the same thing i because the other my other favorite part of the episode um outside of the like spectacle of the you know the planet sequence is before that there's a fight in front of that spotlight mm. that batman and, and lucas i think his name is have yeah where they just hit them with that hard spotlight and they basically go black and white. And so they've got these really high contrast black and white shadows and highlights and stuff. Yeah. And it's really cool. That is cool. Yeah, you're um, right. And I have, I, I have pulled out stuff pretty close to that almost every time it comes up. So I clearly have a, a thing that I'm into. <laughs> Wait, so in your comics, you generally go for a high contrasty spotlight fight scene? Um, if it's appropriate, I would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I generally like the, the high contrast, yeah. uh, black and white look so yeah. that when they do that in a kid's cartoon in a full color kid's cartoon, I'm always going to, always going to pop. for. That. Yeah. I always dig a uh, black and white animation cause they don't have to. There's one called a uh, paper man that was like a, uh, opening to another cartoon a few years back. It was, it was like a Pixar animation, but it was all black and white. Something like that. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, what would you rate this one if you had to give it uh, I'm between a two and a three. I, 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 I get yeah. you. The, the um, imagery is cool, but I just feel like the plot needs to be bolstered with something else. Uh, I'm going to go two and a half, I guess. Yeah. I'm actually going to give it a fairly solid three, if not a high three. Right. Um, just because, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a throwaway plot for the most part, but like... I think what they do visually and uh, the set pieces and stuff bump it up a little bit. Like I would prefer, I would watch this in a heartbeat over like the Rat King episode <laughs> yeah. or you know one of those other ones where it's just a throwaway. Yeah, you're right. I mean that Rat, Rat. Yeah, those episodes get me. I give ones and twos too. So yeah, but even so, you know, I feel like as I've been as we've been watching these, I feel like some of those episodes that they're finding things to grasp onto mm -hmm. to make them a little bit more interesting. Cause, uh, the rat King one had very little dialogue cause none of those kids were talking. So it was a lot of silent sequences and stuff. So right. I feel like they're, they're finding little things to do to make these kind of throwaway villains, uh, more interesting for us and them, yeah. which is, uh, which is nice. Cause most of the, most shows like this would not, would not go that far. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Yeah, I think that's it on Prophecy. Um, take a quick break, and then we'll come back do and do Joker's Favor.
All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Joker's favor, which, even though not really an important episode <laughs> as far as what happens in it, there is one very big thing that happens because of this. <laughs> Would you like to tell everyone what that is? Uh, I think it's the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Yes. Yeah. A character that was used once and never brought back again. <laughs> Just to open a door? Is that why they created her? Well, she's she's like his uh, the Joker's like henchman sidekick. She's kind of there. Uh, do she's much more well designed. But before we get into that, yeah, <laughs> um, Joker's favorite, written by Paul Dini, directed by Boyd Kirkland, and in it, <clears throat> after a man named Charlie Collins curses at the Joker on the road for offensive driving, the Clown Prince of Crime corners him and intimidates him into doing him a quote small favor. Two years pass, and the Joker finally decides how to use Charlie to sneak a bomb into the Peregrinators Club, where Commissioner Gordon is to give a speech at an awards ceremony. Charlie, who merely has to open the door, is is skeptical at first, but for the sake of his family, he reluctantly decides to obey. A a Peregrinator? Sorry? Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's like a parachute Um, guy with a bag of grenades on him, and he just lets him go as he's floating down. Why not? They have bombs. From planes that they can drop. <laughs> you All right, now I have to look it up. <laughs> I'll assume it's a typo, or maybe we're, it's pronounced like peregrineer or something. No, it is uh, <laughs> a traveler or wanderer. Oh. That's that's interesting. And that's oh, not yeah. what I thought it was at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, um, I'll tell you, man. Yeah. We, I love this episode. I especially love uh, his theme music with the silly whistling. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, this, you know, this one has um, one of my favorite. It's a really simple, simple plot, but it's one of my favorite plots. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically you've got a, a character in the wrong place at the wrong time who just makes the worst possible decision. Yep. Um, and it's never, you know, it's always something that's seemingly... Uh, inconsequential or you know as as in this one he's he's pushed to a certain point and he's just going to push back just a little bit like right. he never pushes back in his life and the one time he chooses to just shove a little bit it turns out it's a fucking joker right yeah you know what this is actually i think the first really great joker episode yes yeah i would agree i believe i think the first two or three were kind of duds uh and this one sort of defines joker more than anything else the fact that he would you know Pick on this guy on this on the road, um, follow him around, just tease him, even though he's being chased by the cops. Scare the shit out of him, steal his wallet, and then remember him like five, you know, whatever, four years later, uh, and actually call on him to do the tiniest little simple thing, and then with plans to basically kill him at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It it makes the Joker scary, I think, yeah. in a way that he hasn't been up to this point. Because yeah, he's been basically <clears throat> kind of a. He's been pretty light. Like uh, yeah. the one where he tries to kill the kid at the birthday party is is a little yeah. dark, but uh, yeah. even that one, it's basically he's just you know he's being a clown. Right. The episode is titled. Yeah. Uh, this is the first one where he's really aggressive and conniving, and you know, play, plays a good joke in that he keeps his his uh, uh, ID card and keeps him on file for right. two years. Yeah, it it uh, does everything. A- Joker's short story should do, basically. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we can go on and on about Harley Quinn and how important she is and how she's a nice balance to him, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the sidekick character. And 
yeah, I mean, I'm kind of get going through a lot here, but she's just so well designed. Just the outfit is oh, so yeah. perfect. It's like Spider-Man costume. It's like, I mean, how how do you do any better than what it was? You know, right? And you know, it, I I'd be curious to find out, um, and I could probably look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> like, why did they choose to? Because because this is had they always planned on her being a, re- a returning character, or is she just meant to be a, a, a throwaway henchman? Because like they they went out of their way to design a great costume, like, right? Like you said, it's it's a perfect design. So here's the question then: Is they commissioned three seasons all at once, right? Uh, some yeah, about like sixty episodes. Sixty episodes, like and in those episodes, they had Harley come back a whole bunch of times. So right, they I've heard people say that she was designed as a throwaway character, but as she was so popular, they brought her back. I don't think mm-hmm. they needed to bring. I think they submitted. They needed sixty episodes. They put her into to one into this one and then they started using her again and again um yeah i I think it was more intentional than that i don't think there was time for fans to react go gaga over her and for them to like oh we should probably put her into more you know the way that the events unfolded i think they sort of knew that it was cool to have a joker sidekick um you know the show could always obviously use more women um yeah I, i think she they they sort of knew what they had when they when they they struck gold they struck oil basically yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it actually says um, in the in the trivia on IMDb. Originally, the script called for the Joker to be in drag. The writers decided this was out of character for him and created a one-shot female character to fill this role instead. The character became ex- extremely popular and was soon upgraded from one of Joker's goons to a major player in the Rogues Gallery, Harley Quinn. So it must mean that she became popular with the writers and the staff and the animators because no one had seen. Again, they ordered 60 of these things, right? Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, unless... This was the fourth episode that they, that they did. So then... Uh, it made... Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, I read that wrong. It's the yeah, it can't be fourth the episode with the Joker in it okay. to be produced. That makes sense. Go. But like, so if they commissioned 60, you don't get 60 episodes all at once. So they wrote... Right. Uh, they said, we're going to do 60. They let the animation people know. They started finding different animation houses to do it. They got the scripts ready. So they started, you know, with the seasons that are going to be released first. Obviously, I'm just been, mm-hmm. I'm just run, talking out loud here. Um, and they got the first uh, 22 to 25 episodes in the can, and then they started to put them out on TV. Um, but I imagine the job asked. I mean, you can't just do 60 all at once, obviously. So they must have also. You could argue that they had time to let viewers see Harley, realize she was such a hit, and then move forward with her. You know. Yeah, it was um, that piece of trivia that I screwed up on. Uh. It's uh, it's it's the first episode to be aired which the Joker appeared in. So this was the first Joker episode oh. that was on on TV. Well, so you really got strong. Harley in the first. <laughs> yeah, you got Harley in the first Joker episode. You know why do they? So sidebar because we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out which one came out first, and there's three seasons, but they commissioned them all at once, so it's confusing. I've been watching them on Amazon Prime until they just took them off recently. But yeah. they're not labeled this way in the DVD set I have. I, I don't, I don't know. Are they labeled differently in the DVD set? I thought so. I mean, I'd, if you go to the DVDs, I think the Christmas with the Joker, um, with him escaping on a tree, is the first episode in that set. So if this huh. one hit the air first, which is great, because this is a much better episode, I just, I don't know, I'm just confused. Yeah, I think it's just production uh production time like which ones were finished for I, I've always I've wondered that myself you know I think with certain shows 
back in the days when things weren't serialized, yeah, as much as they are now, you had that leeway where oh, if this episode's done first, we can put that one out. You know, it happens on Star Trek all the time, where like the, oh yeah, you know the ones the the, the kind of crappy episodes go up first yeah. because they it's are good, just finished first. That's a good point. Yeah, they rush the animation, so let's get these out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but this is a good. You know, speaking of animation, this one doesn't have it doesn't blow me away animation wise but there actually is a little detail that i actually thought was great because i feel like i haven't really seen it in a cartoon before when the joker's chasing down charlie in the car and charlie's sort of like hitting these turns and like fish tailing yeah they put they put the the tail light akira lights yeah yeah which is really cool i mean that that's not something you usually see in cartoons i don't think well and akira did it um i think it was famous for doing the trailing Red right. red taillights, right? I'm assuming it, this is a nod to that. I mean, maybe Akira wasn't the first to do it. I I don't know. No, well, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little it's one another little detail from the show that is that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed the, the the sets, the backgrounds. I, I like in the woods when uh, Charlie thinks he's outrun the Joker and he Joker appears through the trees or whatever. Like I remember really liking all that stuff. You know. Yeah, and I love um, I love the Joker's look. With when he's got that overcoat and the hat, the hat like is Jack great. Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish they had the hat throughout most of the series because he looks a little bit more intimidating, you know. Yeah, he's kind. He almost has. It almost feels like his shoulders are a little higher too. Yeah, like he's a little a little hunched over. It gives him definitely a more a darker kind of look to him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the uh, the other the, it does have one big set piece in it towards the end where they um, whatever this. Peregrinators Club thing is <laughs> they apparently meet at the it looks like the Museum of Natural History or something. Oh yeah, and they have this big fight scene inside an Aztec temple, like a faithfully recreated Aztec <laughs> temple, which I have to believe is a huge liability because that thing has poison darts and like drop away floors that lead to spikes. <laughs> <in it. laughs> yeah, that's pretty much even in museums when they're recreated, they recreate them with traps and poison darts. <laughs> yep, and they don't put any like safety precautions in there at all, just nope. in case. Oh yeah, children you know. beware. But um, yeah, it yeah, was funny. Think... It's not like you needed to have that, but they kind of were like, "Well, what haven't we drawn before? Uh, let's let's try some animals, or let's do some Aztec stuff." Yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I mean, it definitely yeah. has a good look to it. Um, it actually reminded me of. Uh, I was thinking, um, if we had extra time to kill or like needed some sort of extra content. Doing the Fleischer era Superman shorts would be a lot of fun, right? Because there's a lot, lots of this stuff in them. Some of them are super racist when you look back at them. Oh now. yeah, but, totally. Uh, but there's like a lots of really cool animation, as far as really kind of exotic. You know, that's probably not the word to use, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you know, sets and, and locations and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know. And what that, you mean. that that scene in this one reminded me of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like the. Um, the ending when uh, Charlie got to beat the Joker in his own way. He, he yes. was active in his own his own rescue, and even he even got a giggle out of Batman, which I thought was great. Yes, yeah, which which never happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although I do have to wonder, how did he know that was a joke bomb, or right. did he know that was a joke bomb? Right. Yeah. Or was know, he just actually planning to kill everybody? It happens in another episode where Harley pulls a, a joke gun on or a gun on Joker pulls the trigger and it goes you know rat tat tat on little signs mm-hmm. and it's unclear if she knew that that was if, if that was actually not a real gun 
Yeah, it reminds me of my one of my favorite beats from uh, Batman Returns when the when the penguin is like dying, and he's stumbling forward and he reaches into his uh, umbrella. Oh thing. yeah, he grabs and the just, wrong one. <laughs> yeah, it turns into the one that has like the baby carousel and just goes shit. I, I grabbed the cute one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you can see him uh, getting ready for always. It's always sunny when it's yeah. his penguin portrayal. <laughs> yeah, Frank. Frank is basically two clicks away from the penguin. I think. <laughs> Who pooped the cave? They're both pretty gross. Who pooped the cave? <laughs> Going from penguin to penguin. Was it you? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this one, this one's a Paul Dini episode. Um, he seems to be a pretty good writer for this show. We've only seen a couple, but both of them have been pretty good. Yeah, Dini, I think, is my favorite writer. Especially, he's really good at one-shots, which is what these episodes yeah. obviously are. Um, I think uh, Bruce Timm is, is a great writer. Um, Kevin Altieri, Boyd Kirkland. I think Marv Wolfman wrote a few, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did, yeah. But I think the, the top two were Dini and um, Bruce Timm. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, one of the things I was wondering as we were, as we were getting into this was... Whether or not it was going to end up just being like a uh, Paul Dini love fest, because right. I feel like after so much, because of Harley and because of Heart of Ice, I mean, you could. It doesn't matter who it was. Whoever wrote those two would probably be talked about as the best writer on the show, even right. if he never wrote anything else. Right. Um, so it's uh, I'm I'm enjoying seeing episode episodes written by other people that are also very good. Yeah. Yeah, I you know it begs a question too. Um, I don't know what Paul is doing. I've never met him, but we've talked on Twitter and stuff. Um, but uh, he was one of my, the writers I would love to work with one day, um, just to do a, a one shot or something fun. But I don't know why he doesn't do more in comics. If he just mm-hmm. chooses not to, or if he's you know animation or whatever pays more, I have no idea. Um, it seems like that I'd love to see his Dark Knight though. Like, what what is his Batman opus? Give him like a twelve right. issue, you know. And if he's done it, and I'm not aware of it, I, I apologize. But as far as I know, he never really sunk his teeth into a, a major series like that. And I'm not, I'm not sure if he if he's, if he's even looking for that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, offer to draw it for him. You never know. You get a script in the mail. <laughs> you know what? I thought about seeing if he would do a Neo Joker, if he would help me flesh her out, considering she's oh, yeah. like a Harley Quinn 2.0. And no, what it's kind fine. Of ideas. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need to ask me about it. Just you know, if you want to get Bruce, if you want to get Paul Dini, that's fine. <laughs> looking for a name clay <laughs> no i'd love to i'd always yeah every people did i already say that you're helping me with my batman do i need to kiss yes. your ass to give yeah, you more you credit did. okay yeah no i'm just i'm just giving you a hard time uh no i mean he would be awesome that would be great you you know why not yeah I call him up yeah i'll get right on that um yeah i mean i i don't know do you, do you have anything else you want to say about no. this one it's i mean it's i'm sure pretty... we'll talk about more about harley quinn as, as time goes on yeah, she's not really. She doesn't really do much here. Uh, although I do have to say, she is pretty fully formed as far as like look and yeah. sound and attitude. It's pretty much all there. Right. It's not like one of those instances where you know they kind of retooled a character that mm-hmm. was just sort of in the background. It's it's like it's there. Right. Yeah. It is amazing because I mean I've been listening to these while I'm working and just hearing the voice actors. Some of them, some of them who really get it, some of them who don't get it, and they sort of play it over the top because it's a, it's just a comic book cartoon. Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. But the ones who do get it, like the one who plays like Roland Daggett, 
I mean, to you have a couple of drawings of what your character looks like. They're, they're you know, you're in your 60s. That actor, I forget his name. When he was recording, he's, he's an older man. And like, all right, fine, sure. And he, the choices he makes behind that character and how he sticks to them, like the voice pattern, the uh, when he pauses, when he raises his voice, when he lowers it, it's so consistent mm-hmm. just with that one character. And there's so many voice actors that they got for this that made these decisions, stuck to them, and they work. And it, I mean, because right. usually you get to see the dailies and you get to decide, oh, maybe I'll do this next time. Or you get to see maybe you know a few seasons of the cartoon before you really start to um, get to who your character is and what he sounds like. But they got it right out of the gate. So many of them were so good. And to them, it's like, I don't know, three days of work. Right. You know, like for me, you know, you think about Mr. Freeze and that voice. I know that actor died a few years back. You know, to him, that was just a long weekend in Palm Springs recording. You know, okay, yeah, right, sure, Mr. Right. Freeze, see ya. To me, that's like the <laughs> voice of one of the best villains of my generation. I think about Mr. Freeze probably more than that actor did. Yeah. You know? And for him to nail it so well, uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, and not I mean not to bring it back around to Star Trek again, but uh <laughs> Let's there's do it. there's an episode of there's an episode of Deep Space 9 that has three it's a story about three older Klingons who are going off to do this like one final glorious whatever. Of course. And and I'm and I'm 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 listening to these voices and I'm going, these guys sound really familiar. And then I was like, oh my God. One of them is the guy that does the voice of Apocalypse from the X-Men show, which is another really iconic uh, oh, wow. uh, villain yeah. voice. And the other one was the guy who does Mr. Freeze's voice from Batman. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's... the it. I have to say, not to, you know, go... We could probably talk about this for a while, too. <laughs> um, the... Voice acting I found in the newer movies and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it just feels so much more flat than on these shows. Right. Well, I feel like so Disney used to do a good job of hiring for Little Mermaid and um, you know the first set of the '90s Disney movies. I think that they hit it right on by picking yeah. people that were good performers, good singers, Hall, you know Broadway t- caliber performers, whatever. But then I think it was. Um, Prince of Egypt or some other cartoons started to come out where they started to cast celebrities. Yep. And in Prince of Egypt, yeah. uh, I think they cast Brad Pitt. And I love Brad Pitt. Uh, Val Kilmer, I think, actually. Oh. I'm thinking of something else then. Because Brad Pitt is a, did a voice acting for a cartoon. Maybe it, is, maybe it is that one. I don't know. But whatever. So let's just assume that you're wrong and I'm right and it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> I think, sure. I think you're probably right. Uh, I love Brad Pitt, but he does not have a great voice. Um he is all in looks and <laughs> attitude and acting. Like, I get it. But voice acting? Killing Nazis. <laughs> I know. But I, I feel like the the people who hired voice actors back in the day, even for video games, like those old PC games, yeah, mm-hmm. hire Mark Hamill. But you hired him because he's great, not because he's right. Luke Skywalker. I mean, most right. kids watching had no idea that was Luke Skywalker until... I didn't. You know, maybe right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know when we got in this whole thing of, uh, let's hire celebrities. And I know that the suits think that, oh, if we have Brad Pitt, we can put his name on a poster and it'll draw people in. Or, you know, Patrick Stewart. And I think Patrick Stewart is a good voice actor, um, which Mm -hmm. is the difference. But I don't think it really matters that much. And they must be paying, you know, Brad Pitt's fee for a weekend has got to be pretty high. So I'm not sure they're really getting their money's worth out of these celebrities, especially because the product isn't quite as good as just a really good voice actor. I also think it's a combination of that plus the, the animation. Um, at least when, at least with some of these the 2D stuff they do now, 
the the style of animation is so much stiffer yeah. than it was, which is really strange because you'd think it would get slicker and, and more fluid. But yeah. uh, like part of what makes this show so great is that on top of the great voice acting is the the emotion that they can get out of these characters, right. like visually. Um, and if you don't have that and it's a lot stiffer, then I think that uh, amplifies how stiff the acting is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, the Dark Knight Returns cartoon that they did a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, you know, sure, great, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Weller plays Batman. Right. I think he is really not good at it. <laughs> And, and that comes from someone Robocop. who loves Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Um, yeah, it's just like I don't know if it, I don't know if he has the had the right approach to it like you're talking about. Like it's yeah, it's Peter Weller delivering these Batman lines, but it it doesn't feel like he's really into it, you know, yeah. the way other people might be. Yeah, you need a better casting director, someone who isn't being pressured to hire celebrities. Someone who recognizes a hungry actor who really wants it, who's going to run with it, you know? And, yeah, uh, you know, I even mean, though Mark Hamill is a well-known actor, like, you, we all know he's a hard worker, and he really sinks his teeth into roles like the Joker. I mean, he, he wanted it. I guess he wanted Batman. <laughs> but uh, he certainly <laughs> ran away with Joker. I mean, that, that was crazy good. Yeah, and if it happens to be the same casting director that did the show that does these movies, then I apologize for insulting you, and I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, get your shit together, man. Stop hiring Brad Pitt. <laughs> He's not Batman. <laughs> um, what would you draw from this episode? Uh, I think um, the forest sequence at the beginning with Joker with the hat. Yeah. Uh, I think playing with those shadows, especially um, you and I, someone in our text thread with our friends passed around a Zafino page recently that had some tree oh, trees yeah. in it. And I've been yeah. like just looking at that in my free time, just glancing at how he did those trees. And it's just like, God damn, I gotta do a forest a tree a tree book of some kind again. Um, White so. Knight two takes some place entirely in the forest. <laughs> White Knight, Dark Forest. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that's a good one. You know, I, I was thinking uh I was thinking the Aztec fight scene. That's good, yeah. Because I was thinking like more like Alex an Alex Toth kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, do you ever see that that cover? I can't remember what the hell it's for. It's a Toth cover of like uh, this adventurer character bracing himself yes. between yeah. two, and there's people walking underneath him. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like that. Fantastic. I was thinking, you know, yeah. that kind of uh, that kind of look to jumping between the the bricks and stuff. And I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, I agree. Ah. Oh. You're just making me want to go look at Alex Toth now. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you do that, what would you rate this episode? Uh, I'm going to go a low four. Yeah. How about I would, you? I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I would agree. It's 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 a t- it's tough because in a vacuum, yeah, I don't know if it's a four because it's it's fine. Like it's not super. Yeah. I you know I no I, I think it's still good I think it's still good in a vacuum because it's a good story it's a little bit different yeah. than your normal you know Batman punches a guy yeah. like, Batman's not even in it for most of it right you know he's he only shows up at the end and uh, as we've talked about before or possibly after this um, right I think the ones where Batman is a background character tend to be pretty strong yeah so I mean I think this is a almost flawless uh, episode. The reason I'm going four, not five, though, is because it's it's sort of a slice of life story, 
it's not supposed right. to be epic it's i don't feel like it's supposed to it's not trying to be a five and that's okay right you know right you know i think this is another one where i would love to see this expanded and done as like maybe a dude if they did this with the joaquin phoenix this was like the opening scene to the joaquin <laughs> phoenix joker that would be amazing <laughs> yeah no, you know, I'm thinking like get like maybe a, if if you have like an annual, like a Batman annual or something, something where you can maybe a one shot or maybe even two issues, yeah, where you could really, you could really get into, you know, you've got the beginning thing with you know Charlie and the Joker, and then the Joker, you know, does the Fight Club thing yep. where he keeps his license, <laughs> and then you spend, then you do like a whole half of an issue where it's just following Charlie seeing what he's doing with his life, seeing how his life is moving on. It's become very normal, you know, yeah. normal thing, normal problems are happening, but it's, you know, he feels like he's out of the clear. It's very run of the mill. Yeah. And then he gets the phone call and it's the Joker on the other end. And right. It's like the end of your issue. I think that would be really cool. You know, that would be great, but I, I feel like it's so hard to get permission to do though that kind of storytelling. Yeah. You know, like even in my own books that I control, I, I'm so anxious to move on to the plot and use up all the space I have to talk about Asriel or whatever that I right. don't get to do artistic long I don't even know what kind of storytelling you call that but that kind of a sequence which is you have time to just draw he's in a library he's checking out a book why because right. this is him growing older and then next panel he's losing some hair and it, like I, artistically yes that's total like indie awesome punk rock move but in commercial comic books, you just don't see that, and probably for good reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I love it, but I think most readers would be like, "Dude, I spent four dollars on this to watch a guy go to a library and lose hair. This sucks." Where's Batman? Well, it's fine. You're a sellout. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's. I think that's gonna do it for us now. Yep. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everyone for checking it out. If you want to follow us on follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Badass Podcast, B A T T A S S Podcast, or shoot us an email if you got any questions or whatever. And that's badasspodcast at gmail uh, So yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>